Welcome to Biospeak, the podcast for your biology starter pack. I'm your host, Luba, and together we will take a look behind the curtain of life. Let's get started. Hello, future biologists. Following our deep dive into DNA over the past two episodes, we're now steering our ship towards the next and arguably more pivotal nucleic acid, RNA. Given the profound significance of RNA and the wealth of information it carries, we are unfolding this complex topic in a three-part series. RNA, standing for ribonucleic acid, much like DNA, is a polymer, a structure built from repeating units known as monomers. Unlike DNA, RNA is a single-stranded molecule, though. These monomers, known as nucleotides, consist of three essential components a negatively charged phosphate group, a pentose sugar, and a nitrogenous base. To form a polymer, these nucleotides, or monomers, link together in a chain. Now, pentose sugar is a broad term encompassing sugars with precisely five carbon atoms. And in the case of RNA, this sugar is called ribose, giving us the name ribonucleic acid. The nitrogenous bases or nucleobases for RNA include cytosine, guanine, adenine and uracil. RNA boasts numerous types, but the top three to remember are mRNA, tRNA and rRNA, which we will delve into in part three of this RNA series. So what's the buzz about RNA? Well, it's quite the multitasker. RNA serves as a bridge transferring genetic information from the cell's nucleus to the cytoplasm, essentially forming a template for protein synthesis. RNA also plays a catalyst role in protein synthesis. Moreover, certain RNAs act as enzymes, catalyzing chemical reactions, controlling gene expression and participating in cell signaling and communication. Some RNAs even possess the power to modify other types of RNA, changing or enhancing their functions. Also, some viruses, like the poliovirus, opt for RNA over DNA to store their genetic information. What makes RNA so versatile? Well, its single-stranded structure sets it apart from DNA, granting it more flexibility. This enables RNA to assume various three-dimensional shapes, beneficial for specific chemical reactions. RNA is also relatively petite, enhancing its mobility. Unlike DNA, which replicates its entire genetic content, RNA only copies select portions. These copied sections found on the DNA strands are referred to as genes. Since RNA actively participates in gene regulation, it exclusively copies the DNA portions it needs to regulate at any given moment. Thanks to its mobility, RNA can transport a copy of the necessary genetic information to the cytoplasm, either enhancing or repressing specific genes or processes. Furthermore, RNA's relatively lower stability aids the gene regulation process. Should an excess of RNA accumulate and become obsolete, it can be readily terminated. This entails the RNA polymer being dismantled into its constituent monomers by a specialized enzyme called RNAs. Capital R, capital N, small a, small s, small e. RNAs. RNA has an additional intriguing quality. 
Under certain circumstances, it can be a self-replicating molecule and presumably form spontaneously. This fascinating trait gave rise to the RNA world hypothesis, which we will explore in part 3 of the RNA series. As we round off this episode, let's compare the differences and commonalities between RNA and DNA. Both molecules fall under the category of nucleic acids. Both are polymers composed of nucleotides and both have the capacity to store genetic material. Now the distinctions. The double-stranded DNA is akin to the genetic library of the cell. It serves as the blueprint for life but necessitates copying and transferring to convey genetic information. In eukaryotic cells, DNA resides in the nucleus, where it remains trapped. In contrast, the single-stranded RNA can store and has the ability to self-replicate genetic information, as observed in certain viruses. However, in most cells, RNA primarily functions to copy and transport genetic information from DNA and helps synthesize proteins. While RNA can be found in the cell's nucleus in eukaryotic cells, most RNA is actively engaged outside the nucleus, in the cytoplasm. Its smaller size enables it to move through the nuclear pores. On the molecular level, we encounter the earlier mentioned key difference. The pentose sugar in RNA's nucleotides is ribose, while in DNA it is deoxyribose. The deoxy part in DNA's deoxyribose sugar signifies the absence of an oxygen atom at the OH group or hydroxyl group on the second carbon atom. This lack of oxygen makes DNA more stable, while RNA's retained oxygen atom renders it less stable. That is because oxygen is one of the most reactive elements we know. This stability plays a role in the longevity of DNA, which has been traced in frozen woolly mammoths frozen for thousands of years. Can you imagine? On the other hand, RNA stability, or instability in this case, is further influenced by the nucleotide components. While DNA uses thymine as one of the four bases, RNA swaps it for uracil. Despite their chemical similarity, uracil lacks certain components found in thymine, rendering it less stable. So if you spot uracil, you can be certain it's RNA, not DNA. That was quite a data-packed episode. The extensive information is a testament to RNA significance. In parts 2 and 3 of our series, we will delve into the production, growth and processing of RNA alongside a closer look at the three primary RNA types. If you wish to provide feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, feel free to email us at biospeakcast at gmail.com. If you are keen to support Biospeak and help us to reach more curious minds, kindly spread the word and share our podcast with others. Stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as we continue to discover the mysteries behind the curtain of life. <music>